The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Circling the Bases podcast, the official fantasy baseball podcast of NBC Sports Edge. I'm your host, Matt Williams. And joining me on the weekend recap show this week is the prospect guru over at Fantrax, Mr. Eric Cross, the man from Maine. What is up, my dude? How's the weather up there? <laughs> hey, bud. Yeah, the weather is beautiful up here. It's gotten up. Uh, it's starting to feel like baseball weather, as I call it. And it's got, got up in the 70s this weekend. It's supposed to be 80s this, uh, later on this week. It's Got out some disc golfing out today with a buddy of mine, and yeah, it's it's great, great baseball weather. So I'm I'm really happy. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, the weather's starting to get is starting to get nice everywhere. I don't know there's a uh, there's some data out there today that so far in May, the average like batting average and everything that looked like it was just going to kind of going in the downward direction in April uh, is kind of back to where it was in like 2020, uh, like batting averages up from like 230 to like 245. Do you think that maybe just like some really cold weather, some kind of weird coming off a strange season, do you think that was just something odd or do you, do you expect like, cause it looked like it was the new ball. It could be a lot of things, but now it looks like it's bouncing back to kind of normal. Do you think that once the weather starts to even warm up even more that we'll get back to more of a normal offense? I do, and I kind of was wondering that as we were, you know, starting this season. It's like, how is it going to look to start off like the first month or so of the season, getting back into the the normal grind of a full 162 with normal spring training and everything back to not being a crazy, weird COVID, you know, season. So I did wonder if things are just going to be a little off, and yeah. usually, I mean, more off for hitters than than pitchers. Uh, so I wasn't really surprised to see you know, the lower average, plus just the, the soaring, you know, K rates we've been seeing over the last, you know, really several years now. I think it kind of factored into it as well and um, for the lower averages, which didn't surprise me either. But, yeah, I do think we're going to see it kind of even out as we get more into the summer months here. So hopefully because, you know, I, I love good pitching and all, but, man, just seeing all these strikeouts, it's just – Oh, it's no hitter. If you don't have a, if you don't have a no hitter after five, are you even any good? I mean, I know, you know what, what, I mean? what are we doing? Like we don't have no hitters, Matt. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> I like the conspiracy theories too. Wade Miley created by the new ball, which he's you know, I mean, yeah, I mean the no hitters a bit much, but I mean he's had moments. He's been he's been popular in fantasy in the past for right. creating weak content. Just he's like a superhuman version of what he already is. And then you got Madison Bumgarner coming back and was like, oh, it's the new ball. I'm like, or it's it's like a Hall of Fame pitcher that's like 
more removed from uh, a couple of devastating injuries. It could be the ball, but I mean, it's like, you know, as the season goes on, the, the conspiracy theories will start to maybe drift off and we'll see what's real, what's not. I think I thought it was kind of funny that like after the Miley no hitter, that's what everyone was like. All right, none of these are legit now. Like poor, <laughs> poor Wade Miley. Like, yeah, no, he's he's doing the best he can. Now he's like the the poster child for why no hitters aren't as you know relevant this year, or aren't as uh, special as they as they once were. And, and, Ian, and Ian, Ian Anderson almost had one the other day, and I'm thinking, you know what? If he gets one, he'll be the first guy. We're like, nope, Wade Miley happened. We're not. We're not even. We don't care. <laughs> I mean, no one's like doesn't count anymore. Because I remember I wrote the uh, I wrote an article over on NBC Sports Edge the day after Rodon uh, threw his, and wow, this is such a special moment. And then if like after Ian Anderson, I'd be like, eh, right, right? Yeah, it's like like, is it quite as special as it used to be? But yeah, it's still a a great feat and all. But yeah, right, right now it's just like all right, it's it's a little too frequent for. For my tasting. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, to go through, we're going to talk because you are on the show. We are going to talk prospects. We'll, we'll definitely get to that at the end of the show. We have a list of guys. We want to talk about some under the radar guys, uh, you know, like Wander Franco or Jared Kalenic. We will talk about Kalenic, you know, sadly, as a Mets fan, we'll talk about Jared Kalenic. But um, first, let's recap the weekend a little bit. Starting with the Mets, they ran into Shane uh, McClan- McClanahan. McClanahan, yeah. I always like screw up these names that are so simple. Um, the, the, the line doesn't look too great. Five and a third, four earned, six hits, uh, seven strikeouts. He's electric, though. Yeah. The, the question I have for you and why I stopped here, because it's obviously not a highlight if you just look at the box score. He he's obviously can dominate at any time. He ran into like a – he gave up like a three-run bomb to Jose Peraza like out of nowhere. Um, so, I mean, like it, it's just little things that uh, he could have dominated that game even more. Do you think that he has the stuff to remain in the rotation? Because he looks like – Long-term, he might be a better like right-handed Josh Hader type. But it, it's so exciting to keep him in the rotation for now, obviously, because of how dominant he can be. I was just um, – as far as future value in fantasy, do you see him in the pen or do you see him sticking in the rotation? You know, that's been a, a big question surrounding him ever since he got drafted uh, a couple of years. I think it was 2018 when he was drafted. And that's still – I think still a possibility he can go either way. I do see him as more of a starter – Long term, because he's shown the ability to have four pretty good pitches, right? Like this year, he's been pretty slider, fastball heavy. Like I think he's throwing those nearly ninety percent of the time. Um, he has shown a pretty solid changeup throughout his minor league career. Uh, he's flashed a, a good breaking curveball as well. Um, this hasn't been throwing them too much, combined around 11 percent in the major leagues. But I think he he has that arsenal. He just needs to learn how to best utilize it. He's more of like a you know a thrower instead of a pitcher right now, um, but he's obviously in a great organization that usually finds a way to maximize you know all their pitchers, especially. So I, I do have a feeling that they're going to keep him as a starter long term, or at least at least give him a long leash as a starter, just due to the stuff that he has. But man, if he goes to the bullpen, even if he just condenses down the arsenal, and if he goes to the pen to that fastball slider. That can be really, really lethal as a, a late inning weapon. So there's a lot of a lot of avenues where he can provide pretty significant value. But obviously, we want him to stay as a, as a starter. And I do think that's a, a good possibility of that. If he can just throw his breaking pitches for strikes and just like let that fastball, the movement, the late movement is sick. I oh, mean, filthy. I'm not sure I've ever. I mean, I, I say that you see this about every next good pitcher. Like I've never seen anything like this, but I don't think I've ever seen anything like he just casually throws this ball up that whiffles at like 100 miles an hour. Uh, it's it's pretty 
pretty insane. So, yeah, hopefully he sticks in the rotation because, like you said, he has the arsenal to do it, and hopefully they just uh, stick with him long enough to, to see it through. Uh, Kevin Gaussman, he went eight innings, albeit against Pittsburgh. One <laughs> earned run right in the ninth inning. Uh, ended up getting his his gem a little blown by uh, by his bullpen. 12 Ks in the game. Again, it is against the Pirates. Jake McGee, his wheels are falling off the last couple of games, <laughs> this being one of them. Uh, he has, I think, the best splitter in baseball, probably him or Otani, one of the two. And uh, he looks every bit as legit as he did last year. Um, a lot of people, me included, were sold on his draft price in fantasy because he was going – there's no discount on him, and I was worried if he could stand up over 162 games. That is still to be determined, but you know, goes deep into this one. Uh, we'll see how he responds in his next start. But, yeah, what do you think of Kevin Gaussman so far this year? Do you think he can continue this going? If you had him, would you be looking to unload him at some point expecting a second-half drop-off, or are you just happy to hold on to him thinking that he can keep this going? Yeah, well, Gaussman's really impressed me, and I was kind of you know skeptical of – what we what we saw in 2020 is because you know what we saw in the past in Baltimore and all the inconsistencies and, and difficulties he had there. But maybe it was just getting out of Baltimore is the is the cure for that. Who knows? But yeah, that that mean that splitter is absolutely filthy right now. Nearly a 50 percent whiff rate. You know, batting average against 134. Uh, I don't think he's gonna keep this up. Like I don't think he's gonna be like a top 20 pitcher or something like that rest of the way. But I'm not exactly looking to run and sell him either. I think there's a lot of legitimacy in what he's doing and the improvements he's made over the last couple of years, really since leaving Baltimore. Like he's missing more bats now than he ever has. He's really leaning on that splitter, which is great. Because, you know, like we both said, it's a very, very good splitter, one of the best in baseball. He's getting a lot of whiffs on. And the, you know, the fastball has been pretty solid as well, which was kind of an issue for him in the past. So seeing a more effective fastball from him is very encouraging. And, you know, even though the slider hasn't been great so far this year, it's, you know, he's only thrown it 64 times total, you know, 8.3% usage rate. But that slider has some pretty good movement on it as well. So he can at least mix that in to keep hitters off the, you know, the four-seamer and the splitter. And what I like about him is he's, he's not – one of those pitchers that even though he might have a four pitch arsenal goes to only two pitches against each handedness of batters. So like he uses all four of these offerings that he has against both sides of the plate, which I really like that he can mix it up like that. So I, I'm, I'm more of a believer now than I ever have been in Gaussman. I think he could be you know, a solid back in SP two high end SP three for fantasy purposes the rest of the way, but I don't think he's going to be an ace or anything like that, but I'm definitely buying into what he's doing right now. Uh, with it, with his few, with his many, Pitchers that are struggling at the top and as many injuries. Yeah, I think I'm yeah. not sure we I'm not sure what you'd sell him for. Uh, because if you took him, things would have to be going really well for you uh right. to be able to to lose him. So yeah, I think you have to hold on to him. San Francisco obviously has something very special going on there with their pitchers this year as well. And their hitters. I mean, Gabe Kapler could figure it out in Philly. San Francisco obviously is buying into at least the offense, and you know, the pitching's doing their own thing. Uh another person that I mean, I didn't believe in it at all. I shouldn't say not believe in. I believe there was a bounce back coming for Patrick Corbin. I was not investing. Uh, there were some people that, you know, he was going in an area around Pablo Lopez, around all the Marlins, around Kevin Gaussman, uh, Joe Musgrove. I mean, he was going in an area where it was unnecessary for me to be interested. Um, he, and he looked awful to begin the year. And now he's kind of coming back to where we saw. He just in seven innings, one or nine strikeouts in his last start. And he looks like he's starting to come back. Uh, is this someone that you're buying into? Because he's someone that you could 
if someone had uh, at least drafted him, they're probably looking to possibly aggressively sell him after he's looking good. If that was the scenario in your league where someone's like, oh, good, here's my opportunity to sell, would you be looking to buy? I wouldn't. I I still don't think there's much there. Like I, I, I did think he would bounce back a bit. Like I don't think he was going to be going from like, you know, reliable, you know, top 30 caliber arm to not not even worth streaming in a good matchup anymore. So I did think there would be at least somewhat of a bounce back this year. Like the slider is still pretty good, even though it's not quite as good as it has been in years past, kind of on a slightly downward trajectory over the last couple of years. But I'm, I'm glad to see that the velocity has returned a little bit, not to, you know, pre 2020 levels, but it's back up a mile an hour or so, both the four seamer and the sinker, which is encouraging, but you know, the sinker is still getting absolutely shellacked. Uh, the four seamer has been pretty solid, but he's only really a, a three pitch guy. And that one pitch is not great. It's very much below average. That's even being nice about it. It's a 527 Woba, you know, 428 XBA. It's just been terrible this year. Um, that hasn't, hasn't been locating at the greatest. So I would not be looking to buy. I would definitely, if I had him in any league, which I don't think I do actually at this point, but if I did and I could sell him for anything, even if it was just like a couple prospects or something in dynasty or maybe a bullpen piece or a bench bat, whatever, I probably would because I think the best days for him are definitely behind him. In redrafts, who would you rather have for the rest of the season, Patrick Corbin or Madison Bumgarner? Ooh, I'd rather have Bum. I'd rather have Bumgarner. I was leaning Bum. Yeah, I was leaning Bumgarner, <laughs> and and I and I've always been a big Bumgarner guy. I love the fiery plays of these. Yeah, he kind of could be a d bag, but uh, <laughs> I've I've always kind of liked Mad Bum and, and his fire and his passion. And I'm glad that he's back to being at least relevant. I think you know it's a better baseball is a better place when he's at least somewhat good. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I would lean Mad Bum there. Uh, next pitcher up uh, over the weekend, David Peterson. A little bit of a homer pick here, but he's. He's looked fantastic, and the reason I bring him up is his ERA before the game was sitting like five and a half. It was very misleading because there's a couple of big blowups, but his slider has been a tremendous pitch for him. In this one, he goes seven and a third, two earned four hits, nine Ks, out pitches Tyler Glass now. Um, you know, this is the, the longest um, outing of his career. What do you think of him for fantasy purposes? Because when he came in, I mean, he looked strong in the uh, the minor leagues. It took for a while. He had some injuries to finally come up. The Mets come up with these random people from the minor leagues, though, and they occasionally do well. Not saying David Peterson is Jacob Degrom, but he's looking like <laughs> he's looking like someone that could fill in. Like he can, you know, maybe not someone you want on a successful team to be your number three, but he's a fine number four and a fantastic number five in the major yeah. leagues. But for fantasy purposes, uh, with what he's showing you with the slider, is he someone that you feel comfortable in, like a fifteen-team league where you're not streaming too many people? Would you put him out there for like you know whoever? three quarters of his starts, you know, like a sit him in the bad matchups type of thing, or is he a streamer for you? I think he's a little bit of a streamer. I think he's like a back end. Yeah. And the 15 team or back end kind of arm that you pitch most of the time, depending on you know what you need, you know, you know, on your format and whatnot and uh, what the, what the matchup is. But I have been, you know, semi-impressed with him this year. I, I hate how inconsistent he is. Like you mentioned the blow-ups and, you know, how it's been like basically every other start. He's been pretty good one start. The next start, he gives up like six earned and three innings or something like that. So I would like to see some more consistency out of him. But the fact that he's missing bats at a much higher clip this year than he did last year, you know, the whiff rates and most basically all of his pitches are up this year. Um, he he kind of did a made a pitch mix change. He's throwing more a lot more sinkers this year and, and less four seamers almost almost flipped their the usage rates on those 
which was really odd because the sinker was not great for him last year. He actually get, was really bad pitch for him last year, but it has been better this year. So, you know, whatever, whatever they saw to make that change is working out so far. Uh, it's been better than the four seamer at least. So, um, I, I, think I think it's just, I think it's just now they're mixing him up right. and utilizing his slider. Um, and I think he's a buy in deep leagues and dynasty only because of the surface stats that I mentioned, even after this hmm. starts, you can, you can get him on the cheap and you know, yep. if there is something there and he can get that consistency, it's not going to cost you an arm and leg to get and pitching, right. you know, is, is expensive to get proven pitching. So you got to take stabs. So, um, Logan Gilbert, speaking to someone that, you know, the prospect prices are sky high and they're never higher than right before someone comes up. Um, then Logan Gilbert comes out, doesn't look great. Maybe this is the best possible time to buy Logan Gilbert. I think it might be because I'm still very much in on Gilbert. I think he he really kind of settled down. The last couple of innings of that start, he looked a lot better. Bucky really kind of calmed down and got, got into a rhythm there. And yeah, he's been one of the top 10 pitching prospects in baseball. This isn't like a potential mid rotation starter one day. This is a potential front line, maybe, maybe not like a bona fide ace, but like a number two type guy that um, could be one of the best pitchers in baseball down the road. You know, and he showed that in the minor leagues, low ERA, low whip, tons of strikeouts, above average command and control guy, you know, three really good pitchers in the fastball, curveball, and slider. Pretty solid changeup as well, but he didn't really throw that. Yeah, so I don't think he threw any changeups in his debut, mm -hmm. which was kind of odd, but he showed a decent enough changeup in the minor league. So really good pitch mix. And this guy gets like elite extension in his in his delivery, like top three percent of baseball extension, like seven and a half feet. Like for instance, Shane is he, what is he like six foot six foot three? Is he around? like six and a half feet? So extension yeah. Gilbert, ah, uh, yeah, six three, six four, I think, and just yeah, the, I think this the delivery he has is elite extension. It's really fun to watch him pitch. Um, that really helps the fastball even more. So, I, yeah, I'm still all in. And, and if the price got kind of deflated a bit because of the you know the so so first start, I'd be buying absolutely. No, it is amazing though, like you know, like last year, some of the the rookies who struggled. If you struggle in a small sample size, it's it's worse than if you didn't come up at all right uh, and then like you know daniel lynch is a great example everyone couldn't have been more excited and everyone's like oh my god he's kryptonite now it's such <laughs> a small most most prospects don't do well when they get brought exactly. up everybody. especially pitching prospects like, like last <laughs> yeah. year well, we had two i can think of anderson and sixto yeah Basically, all the other ones like my struggled screwball struggled spencer howard struggled like most of these guys prospects especially pitchers like you mentioned <laughs> nate pearson it takes, it takes <laughs> them a bit yeah nate pearson too yeah, yeah. it takes them a bit so be patient. <laughs> uh, on the hitting side, uh, before we get into the uh, the prospects that haven't been brought up yet, Xander Bogarts, Boston Red Sox fan, he is killing the ball. He continued to do so this weekend. He's batting 354 with a 414 on base, 626 slugging. He's got nine home runs and a couple of stolen bases. I mean, I, d I don't know where I really want to go with this. I just wanted to bring him up because – he was one of the safest bets and the most underappreciated, I think, players in in baseball. A little to go with like maybe Whit Merrifield, those guys that are going right after the elite first couple of rounds where maybe they should have been going there. And then he got injured at the end of spring training, which further discounted him. Z Xander Bogarts, is he someone who's not signed long term? Um, he's not he's not signed long term with Boston, correct? Not not yet. <laughs> as a, I brought him up as a Red Sox fan. Is he, <laughs> is he someone who you think like you see all these giant contracts bouncing around? You're about to have this big free agent class, and thank God Corey Seager's not going to be out. Hopefully for as long as everyone thought. Looks like we'll need surgery. He may only be at a month. 
Uh, do you think Xander Bogarts is one of those guys that deserves to be paid like the, the rest of these guys? I do. Absolutely do. And if if they don't sign him long-term, I think there's going to be a riot outside of Fenway. Especially if they lose Mookie Betts and then Bogarts within a couple years of each other to you know, the best hitters to ever play on this team, especially in my lifetime, mm-hmm. there's going to be some <laughs> people needing requiring some answers and not very happy people in Boston, I can tell you that. Because Bogarts is – he might not be the flashiest guy around. He doesn't have the big name like Trout, Harper, Soto, Acuna, etc. But he's just been – quietly putting up elite numbers over the last, I think the last like three, four years, he's really coming to that, that elite tier. Like I looked at since from the start of 2019 to now he's fourth in average 11th in OBP 10th in slugging second in war behind trout. That's it. Eighth in Woba, you know, eighth in WRC plus go, the list goes on and on. He's just so damn good. And so high Florida is he's just getting better and better. So, uh, I, I, he should be a second round fantasy player, I think, because he can just do it all, even add in a little bit of speed. And if they don't sign him long term, which he deserves, yeah, it's heads are going to roll in Boston. Rest of season, uh, would you rather have Xander Bogarts or Francisco Lindor? Bogarts, absolutely. I, I, and I still like Lindor, and I, I'm not one of those guys that's like always oh, done, even though I do have some concerns about him in general. But I just think that Bogarts is just a safer bet, I think. So, I, I would lean Bogarts here last season. No, I do think I said Lindor. I think we'll turn it around. Would you rather have Xander Bogarts or Trevor Story? <sighs> oh, that's a good one. I literally said Lindor just to set you up for this one. This is the question. <laughs> I think I still might lean Story, but that is really close. Yeah, it's it's, it's the the early season is playing such tricks on people's minds because you know you right? ask this in the beginning of the question, you obviously get very different answers. And the the last one, which is pretty close, would you rather have Xander Bogarts or Bo Bichette? Who I know you really love, Bo Bichette. <laughs> I do. Bo's my boy. I think I would go Bo. I, I think he's really coming into his own as an elite player, and the fact that he can add more speed, I think. Yeah, I think I'd go Bo there. All right, and then continuing this on, Jared Kalenic. We've seen what he's done so far. Uh, he's a very confident guy. Again, hitter struggle. He's hitting 231 so far, albeit with a home run, a double, and then a hustle double, which is always awesome to see. Where would you rank him right now in redraft going forward? Like, would you rather have him or Randy or Rosarina the rest of the season? That's a great question. I I think I would take Hellenic rest of the season. I think he's going to be, you know, maybe pushing top 60, top 70 guy rest of the year, maybe like a top 20 ish outfielder because he can just do it all and like you mentioned he is just so confident he has that swagger that poise like he has like it's almost i'm not comparing him to like michael jordan or anything like that but that same mentality where he finds those things to motivate him like that bulletin board material right and i think he used that whole issue with the service time thing back in spring training that kind of got blown out a proportion in the media and he's using that right now that's like his chip on the shoulder if you look at this kid is absolutely he knows he's good he knows he's good, and he knows the talent he has. And like I said, he's a he's a five tool asset, and I think he's a hit for average, hit for power, steal some bases. Like he's hit before the year, he wanted to steal thirty. I don't think he's going to, but he wants to. I don't put it past him to steal thirty. You know, at least he's going to try. So I think I think he's going to provide just all across the board production here. And Seattle's already batting him lead off, so that's great to see. Like they're not putting him seventh, like you know the White Sox were with Andrew Vaughn or anything like that. So. Yeah, I think he's going to be, once he settles in here and really starts getting his feet under him, I think he's just going to really take off. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Okay, the um, we're gonna move past that because as a Mets fan, I don't want to talk about him anymore. No offense, <laughs> I put him, I put him in the show. Now I'm moving past it. Andrew Vaughn, he uh, he's been actually he's been hitting the ball okay all season. Yeah. Only recently has he finally hit his first home run. He's now up to two, only nine RBIs on the year. Larusa is now forced to play him now that he literally <laughs> is running out of players. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, he, he just seems is is he the best like buy low in dynasty right now because. If anyone doesn't still hold him, I think in the highest regard that they did coming into the season, I'm not sure there's a guy I would rather be like. I would try to to acquire him on every team. I would too, and yeah, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Literally, just forced to play him now because yeah, it's kind of like the silver lining if there is one in the Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert injuries, which stunk because I have both of them in many leagues, both redraft and dynasty, so that those hurt, but. Uh, yeah, the fact that Andrew Vaughn gets to play regularly now, which he should have been from the get-go. I don't know why they were starting Billy Hamilton and Nick Williams and all those <laughs> Billy guys. Billy Hamilton so- low-key had some nice games. I mean, we know what he is, so right. I mean, we'll, end, we'll end it at that. But, I mean, at least he's providing some excitement. <laughs> right. But it's like, it's like all right, DeLaRusa, come on. Get, yeah, I know you're old and all, but let's get Andrew Vaughn in. And, yeah, he's been – you know, the you know we look at Savant, look at some of the metrics there – He's walking at a high clip, which is great. And that's always, you know, going back to his collegiate days at California, he's always been a high walk guy, good OBP guy. He's hitting the ball very well. All of his quality of contact metrics are very, very good. 97th percentile average exit velocity, 95th percentile hard hit rate, barrel rate, 82 percentile. So he's hitting the ball very well right now. And the launch angle is all right. Um, he's barreling up plenty of pitches. So I think it's just a matter of time. It's, it's kind of surprising that he only has a couple home runs under his belt so far through his first 110 plate appearances or whatever it is. But he's still hitting the ball hard, walking. Key rate's starting to slowly come down, and average is starting to slowly get up. So I think he's he's quietly getting going. And in fact, he's going to be playing every day now, can hit for average, can hit for power. I, I'm still definitely all in on Andrew Vaughn, and he's definitely a great buy low in both redraft and dynasty. If you can get him for really cheap in redraft leagues, depending on how deep your league is and – you can plug him in at corner infield, utility, whatever, to have a bench bat or whatever. I think it'd definitely be worth looking into. It's a great thing about um, being in a league with people that are in so many leagues they can't possibly watch every game is that you see a, if you're only box scar, uh, looking at box scores, you don't know how 
how good Andrew Vaughn does look and how confident he looks at the play. I mean, you can tell when a rookie looks overmatched and when he doesn't, Andrew Vaughn's going to be fine. Uh, with the last 10 minutes, we're going to go into some under the radar prospects. You brought up some guys and th there's still some names. Like if you're into prospects, these are not going to be names. You don't know. These are good players, but these aren't like the Jared clinics. These aren't the Wander Franco's, but these are one, these are guys that we you know when you want to snatch them up immediately upon being promoted. Joe Adele is the guy everyone talks about Los Angeles angels. We're going to talk about Brandon Marsh for a second. Uh, center fielder who you know whiz defensively unfortunately that doesn't matter in fantasy but thank <laughs> god i mean i can't imagine how they'd measure it. is there a defense no we'll talk that's a totally different show talking about defensive metrics i hate them all <laughs> but outs above average is okay but uh brandon marsh let's talk about brandon marsh <laughs> yeah i think there's a chance that you know depending on how both he and adele perform in triple a he could be up first hmm. i think he's the safer bat of the two obviously i think adele has more upside i think we all understand that but Marsh is just very solid. And the fact that he's kind of been in Adele's shadow for the last couple of years now, he's been quietly going about his business. I saw him out in the Arizona Fall League back in 2019. Just a very good all-around player. Has some speed, solid contact skills, hit for high average. The power, you you would think he's a bigger power bat than he is. He's a big, he's like 6'4", uh, strong frame. But he's never going to be a big bopper. He's more like the 15 homer type. But uh, the fact that he can just do it all and he's a, a safer bet, I think once he's up, I think – uh, he could be a pretty solid fantasy asset just because, like I said, he can do a little bit of everything, provide some solid speed, which, you know, we're all looking for speed. Uh, and I think he could. He's off to a decent start from what I saw uh, from his game so far in AAA. So I think he could be up, you know, by the all-star break and maybe even beat Adele there if Adele doesn't look great. So, yeah, very kind of sneaky good asset that you probably won't have to spend a real big, you know, amount of fab on. He's not that big, sexy prospect name. You'll still have to spend a bit in fab, but – Maybe not quite as much as like a Wander Franco or a Jared Koenig, obviously. So I like I like Marshall a lot. And it's nice to one thing that held Adele back, and a huge thing that did. He's someone that you legitimately could send to the even though he was struggling mightily offensively, he needed to work on his defense. He actually did. Right, Marsh. You don't have that worry with which being able to be kept in a lineup because you're off and because of your defense is a big thing. Uh, talking about two Rays that are not named Wander Franco. Um, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. And I hate doing this. Vidal Brujan. Is that his name? Uh, is, Brujan. Yeah. Bru, Brujan. All right. I hate getting these wrong. I don't say his yeah. name a lot. So don't, don't hold it against me. I won't get it wrong again. Why isn't he in the major leagues? <laughs> I mean, the Rays need him desperately. They do. And I think he's closer than people might, you know, think because you look at, you know, he's primarily a second baseman the last couple of years. And obviously we know the Rays have a ton of infielders and outfielders and more of their, their need. And he's been playing, you know, more outfield than second basis here. Like last time I checked, about 60% of his games have been in the outfield and, and at all three positions as well. So mm -hmm. I think that shows that they're trying to build his, his flexibility, uh, his versatility to get him up sooner rather than later. Um, and at the same time, he is absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. He didn't have, you know, he went 0 for 5 today, but he's been hitting for average, stealing a couple bases, and the power has been really taken off this year, which I – I really hoped it would because I, I thought he had more power potential in that bat. So, but just his speed alone, like this is a potential 30 plus stolen base guy at the major league level. Uh, he's one of the fastest guys, elite, elite speed. So uh, I think mean, really good contact skills as well. And it basically walks as much as he strikes out. Uh, so very kind of high floor, high upside guy with that electric speed. Uh, I think he's going to be an asset right away just because of that speed and probably up, by, I'd say, the end of June at the latest. 
right, the next the uh, the next guy I want to talk about not not Bruhan, not Franco, Josh Lowe. I have him in every league, every league. I mean, if I have, if I have a dynasty team, he's on my he's on my team <laughs> because I feel like he is far too behind these other two. Not saying that like maybe he necessarily deserves to be, but as far as fantasy goes, only he costs like significantly less but he is power speed he has on base skills which you know those skills tend to transfer over easier to the major leagues he can yep. play some center so can Bruhani. not that they're going to but i mean the, his flexibility to be able to do that gives him a lot of value that could keep him in the lineup too i'm i'm psyched i mean he comes up and redraft leagues I'm, if you're in a league with me you're not outbidding me probably for josh Lowe. <laughs> yeah, Lowe is, is kind of like he's one of those guys I love to target, kind of like same Elka as Brandon Mars, where the guys that have like the elite names ahead of them in the system that kind of maybe fly more under the radar than they like Juan, should. Like Juan Soto and Victor Robles. Yeah, exactly. remember no one knew who Juan Soto is. And oh yeah, Robles up, like, was, Victor Robles was the man. Yeah, he was the top five guy, and then yeah, yeah. obviously we know we all know how that turned out. But uh, but yeah, Josh <laughs> not, not, Lowe. Not, not saying that's what's happening here, but <laughs> <laughs> right, right, absolutely. But yeah, Josh Lowe, he's kind of a similar player to Brandon Marsh. I think a little more power potential, maybe a little less contact skills than Marsh has, but both have really solid power. 2019, Lowe had 30 steals in Double A, along with 18 home runs of power. Finally you know, peaked out more than it did in the low minors. Uh, up until this year, he's been like a 250, 260 type of hitter. This year, he's hitting 303 so far through his first eight games, four home runs, two steals, three doubles in there as well. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, he's always been a solid OBP guy, like a 340 kind of OBP guy. Uh, so I think, you know, there's a chance. I think he's going to be up this year, just how the Rays use him, that's the question. But I think there's probably might be room for both him and Ruhan in that outfield. Uh, with how it looks, especially if Meadows doesn't get it going, and he's always, you know, an injury, you know, one game away from being back on the injured list, it seems like. So, um, especially if, if they need an, two outfielders, I think we could see both these guys pretty soon because they're both nearly ready. You know, like I said, all these guys we're talking about plus plus Wander, they're all in AAA. You know, they all have at bats in the upper minors. So, I think Lowe could be up, and he's another one of those guys that are just a sneaky fab at that you want to really spend a lot of money on. I have a ton of uh, draft and hold shares of of low because me too. The uh, I mean, like you said, Kiermaier I thought could have been traded plus injury prone, Meadows injury prone, uh, and him being that third leg of the prospects. I thought maybe the Rays will push him sooner. Maybe then I was worried, you know, about maybe starting the clock on him before the other two. Uh, but you know, here nor there, he could come up regardless. Uh, the next guy on our list is fantastic outfielder for the Boston Red Sox. They should probably be playing for him right now, as good as they are. So I'll let you yeah. kind of take it from here. Yeah, Jaron Duran needs to be up here in Boston because Franchi Cordero is absolutely terrible, uh, which th doesn't help that we traded away Benintendi, even though Benintendi wasn't great the last couple of years. But you know, I was hoping to get more out of the Benintendi return than Cordero has provided. So I would like to see them, I don't know, not DFA Franchi, but just get him out of the starting lineup with the bench him, send option to AAA, whatever it may be. And then Duran should be the logical choice to get called up. And he has been absolutely raking this year. He's been mostly a hit tool speed guy in the minor leagues, but you know went through a, a swing adjustment in the at the alt site 2020, unlocked more power, and that has it transferred over in the spring training. He hit a few bombs, and he's been hitting just cranking everything, and he's not not hitting like wall scraping home runs. He's hitting upper deck 425 foot 450 foot blasts. Uh, it's really been great to see the power for Jaron Duran just to add the the good hit tool, the good the 
30 plus steel wheels he has as well. Though I wonder if he doesn't steal quite as much as he did in the minor leagues if he starts hit for more power, but we'll see on that. But the fact that he can, he's an all round, just a great all round offensive asset. And, you know, he'll be having a great lineup around him, you know, a great ballpark. There's, there's all the ingredients are there for a pretty sizable Duran impact. And you got to think that if he continues to rake in, in Worcester and Franchi continues to stink up the joint in Boston, that they could make that transit, that swap sooner rather than later. So, yeah, definitely a good time to stash Duran right now. All right. The next uh, next guy on the list that you wanted to bring up is Michael Bush. Um Player, you know, infielder down with the Dodgers. I'm a little gun shy when it comes to the Dodgers. Anyone, because I don't trust how what they're going to do with playing time and with innings, uh, no matter who they are. I mean, Gavin Lux obviously had not been doing well. He's coming on as of late, but the way they handled, you know, his playing time too, it just makes me a little worried. So, you know, calm everyone down. Are you just a guy who just talent? No matter what, because I feel like the Dodgers have squashed that for me. They're they're <laughs> becoming like an alternate universe Rockies or Rays, where everyone hits, but I just don't know. I don't trust them. <laughs> yeah, and they always have like Taylor around there. They, they had Kike Hernandez for a long time that always just eats into everyone's playing time. So I, I can I can see why you'd be a little bit skeptical about the Dodgers. I totally see that. But yeah, Michael Bush is just a really good hitter. He's not going to bring any speed to the table, so he's going to be his value will be entirely with his bat. But he is an above average hit tool guy, above average to plus power. Uh, he's already hit hit four home runs through fifty plate appearances in Double A. So he's not like a guy that's going to be up next month. He's more like a you know July August type of guy. But who knows if if everybody on the Dodgers keeps getting injured, they might be forced to call up some guys you know before they might have wanted to I mean, or, they have Albert Pujols they're fine I don't know yeah they got Pujols now they just got uh what Sutsugo as well kind of these washed up guys that their teams didn't want so yeah they'll be okay but but yeah Bush is this advanced guy he's always been a high walk rate guy he's got 380 OBP right now eight walks through 50 plate appearances so far as uh, very very advanced bat he's a collegiate guy in North Carolina um so I knew he won't take long to fly through the minor leagues and He'll probably be up in AAA fairly soon, and then that's you know the last step, and he'll be should be up with the Dodgers at some point this year. So it won't be anyone again. Another one you won't have to spend a ton of fab on. He's not the flashy name. Doesn't have the elite upside uh, like like a Bruhan or or Wander or anybody like that. But I'm um, just a guy that could provide you some solid average, solid OBPs, a little bit of pop as well. Kind of more of like your deeper league guy, but definitely could be a one that could really help you. All right, I know we're running a little bit late, but there's a couple of pitchers we want to talk about real quick. The first one is uh, Matthew Libertor, one of the, the the chief return for the um, Rosarina. Yeah, the Rosarina uh, trade. He he actually got uh, a little bit roughed up early in the season. I I tuned in to watch him pitch just to watch D Gordon hit a home run off. Him. <laughs> I know <laughs> so out of that all people. was fantastic. <laughs> But obviously he's much better than that. So yeah, uh, when uh, all these big name pitchers are being called up, when if you hear Libertor's name's getting called, why should everyone be excited? Is I think he's a, just a really solid all around pitcher, and it's kind of funny that um, I didn't expect him to be a guy that I was would be talking about like this this year because I thought he'd start out in Double A and spend most of the year there, a little bit of time Triple A into the year, be up next year. But they they started them in Triple A, which you know, we got to really read like what these teams are trying to tell us when with some of these assignments. When they, they had him skip double A, he was in, in low A in 2019, had him skip double A, triple A, which might have been surprising, but 
you know, they know the talent better than anybody, right? So, um, Libertor is not a stud in the making, but it's really good arsenal, solid fastball, really, really good curveball, uh, plus easy plus curveball, uh, slider and changeup as well. So, I got that could help you in, in deeper league. I don't think he'd be like a 12 team option, but you're, you're 15, 20 teamers. I think he could provide you and know, give you solid ratios, good amount of strikeouts. It's not an elite Pearson Gilbert type of strikeout arm, but you know, good enough strikeout right where um, he can definitely help you across the board. So it's just a kind of sneaky deeper league ad there. Uh, a name that sh- it won't be a, a surprise to people that really follow prospects, but Jackson Coar down in Kansas City with all the guys that they have in their system, all the ones they've already brought up. I'm excited for him to come up, and I, I think it should be rather soon. I don't. Ex- he, he doesn't paint me as someone who's going to struggle either. He's. I mean, there's been plenty of pitchers who are like, all right, they have nothing else to prove at AAA, and then boom, come to the majors, and hey, by the way, there's really talented hitters here. But um, I hold him in like nearly as high a regard as I would for anyone else being called up, just because some of the guys had some of their shine wa- wiped off with gore, whether it's the fake yips report, if that was real or not. There's so <laughs> many pitchers available where – I I shouldn't say like I have him there rankings wise, but if he gets brought up, I'll be just as happy to add him as I would any other pitcher. I think from now until the end of the season, who's likely to be called up, if that's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah, and I I, I like Coar a good amount, and you know Kansas City has shown that they're not afraid of promoting their arms aggressively. They showed mm-hmm. that last year with Singer and Bubich, and then you know they already promoted uh, Lynch. You know, as you mentioned, that didn't go quite as well as we all hoped. But you know, they're not afraid to promote these guys. And you know, he's in AAA, looking good through his first three starts, really missing a lot of bats, which that was the one thing I questioned about him is if he'd miss enough bats to be kind of like a really good fantasy asset because he doesn't really have a good breaking ball. It's like an okay curveball, but he's mostly a fastball changeup guy. And both of those are plus offerings. So um, that's, a, that's a good mix right there. But um, in fact, he's missing more bats this year at AAA. is very encouraging. So, yeah, he's definitely another one to – at least have on your radar for redraft leagues. And I look, I look, I look at pitchers in two different ways. Like at Dynasty, there's certain pitchers you know that are just going to have a much higher ceiling long term. That you know that if things go right, that they can be a superstar. They can, you know, turn it on. And then there's some pitchers. Do you look at them in any different scope in redraft? Where like, all right, this guy looks like he has a safe enough. Um, you know, skill set where I think he can come up and do well. Like last year, they obviously both did poorly, but when Mize and Scoobal both came up, I actually, I actually was more excited about Scoobal because I thought he may have been able to come up and sneak up on hitters with this, you know, with his fastball and his constant like relentless strikeout strikeout rate, which obviously did not happen. Uh, but you know, do you look at pitchers any differently going into redraft, or is it all just like you know, talent, talent? Yeah, I, I do um, to a degree, and I look for more of the you know the arms that ha- had a good amount of experience in, in the upper minors, double and triple A, and uh, the guys that don't walk a ton of guys. Like that's kind of what I always say equates quicker for like for a like redraft value, right? Like may, you know maybe long term, you know, the Scooble might be better than Coar because you know he's higher strikeout rate, et cetera, et cetera. But you know Coar is a guy that I. You know, and it's easy to say that now with how Scooball has struggled, but just in general, you know, Coer's a guy that he's shown, you know, better command and control. You know, on the, on the hitting set of things, he's prospects to have, you know, don't have strikeout issues and have high contact rates. Those guys usually translate easier to the major leagues. And, and they may not be as flashy, you know, as some of these other guys, but definitely have a higher rate um, of success early on. So, yeah, a guy like Coer would be someone I would definitely, he, he fits that mold perfectly. 
All right. Now the last guy is complete homer pick on my, my end. I told you I was going to bring this guy up. The, yep. the Mets have tons of injury problems and uh, you know, Carlos Carrasco is coming back. We'll see how that goes. Uh, they're, they're now thinking about put, giving Joey Lucchese another chance. There's a guy right now in the minor leagues that is, uh, you know, just shipping right through every single, every single level. And his name is Tyler McGill. And he, if you talk to, the scouts that have looked at him in person, they're just saying there's no one that has kind of impressed or elevated more, elevated his stone stock more than, than Tyler McGill. After I brought, I, A, did you know a ton about him before I brought him up to you? Did you look into him after I brought him up? Because I know a lot of people, even prospect guys, they'll know of him, but maybe they didn't like take a hard look because, man, he's a different pitcher <laughs> this year. Bro, he definitely is. Yeah, I knew a bit about him. I, I'm not saying I knew, I knew a ton about Tyler McGill, but yeah, the name had you know, crossed my eyes a bit during in my research for you know various things. But yeah, he's been, really been impressing. You know, first couple of starts in Binghamton, and yeah, like you mentioned he's pitched pretty well. He pitched pretty well in 2018, 2019 on the low mine in, in Penn League, and then across three levels, getting up to Double A in 2019. I actually got the. I think I got a chance to see him. If I recall right, in 2019 and the end of the season, he pitched pretty well. Um, so hopefully, I'll, I'll get some more eyes on him uh, once Binghamton comes to uh, Portland here. I think they're coming next month. So maybe I'll get a chance to see him there. Really good fastball slider. Like that's like his bread and butter. He gets a. He's always been like a big, you know, swing and miss guy. He's, he's had high strikeout rates in the minor leagues, 31.4 percent, which is very good. Um, walk rate, command, I think the command and control is his thing, right? It's mm-hmm. that's going to be what determines what type of arm he is long term because. You know, that might push him to the bullpen where that fastball slider can make him maybe like a mid-reliever setup guy, seventh, eighth inning guy. I don't know about a closer, but maybe a seventh or eighth inning guy. But if that improves and, you know, he's shown some improvement with the changeup, uh, it's still well behind this fastball slider. But if that continues to improve, you know, maybe there is some long-term starter appeal here, a guy that could maybe be a number four, but get you a good amount of strikeouts as well. So, yeah, definitely an, an eye to keep an eye, uh, a guy to keep an eye on here uh, this season for sure. He's a, and as we close the show, he's just a narrative guy because I think he's the kind of, and again, these guys come from nowhere. Sometimes they just, some guys just click something, you know, clicks with them and you get elevated with the Mets. You don't know Syndergaard's coming back. We don't know how that's going to go. Carlos Carrasco's coming back. We don't know how that's going to go. So there could be an opportunity down the line where sometimes teams bring up a guy and everyone's like, who the heck is this guy? I know the Marlins, (laughs) they, they, um, they promoted someone the other day where, uh, Craig Mish was like, I have no idea who this guy is. He actually <laughs> said it publicly. And uh, that, was like, that was like the Red Sox bullpen last year, where it's like <laughs> yeah. a, it was a common stream of like that uh Connor McGregor, like, who the bleep is this guy? Yes, it was like exactly like who, like who is this little dude coming out of the bullpen? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but like come if, but if like you need pitching and all of a sudden at the end of June, the Mets are promoting Tyler McGill for a spot start, pick him up. You know, don't maybe, maybe don't start him. <laughs> we'll see what the, but like pick him up for a buck. And, uh, you know, see how it goes because there, there could be something here. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. As if anyone doesn't uh, know you already, uh, let them know what you're working on over at Fantrax and where they can track you down if, you have any, if you're working on anything new. Yeah, yeah. I th- appreciate you having me on, Matt. This was a blast. Uh, let's do it again sometime. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at EricCross04. All my written work at FantraxHQ.com. I'll have my updated prospect rankings out Tuesday or Wednesday, um, I always fine tune them. So I, mean, I might push it back a day. Um, I'm a perfectionist with my rankings, but I uh, say so those will be out middle of the week. Um, got waiver wire articles every Friday, and just a lot of other dynasty and prospect work mixed in you know, throughout the week as well. Plus my two podcasts, Five Tool Podcast, and then the 
uh, Fantrax Toolshed with Chris Clegg that we will be out on Monday whenever you're listening to this. Um, so yeah, check those out as well. But yeah, thanks for having me on, buddy. This was fun. Awesome. And everyone, you can follow me on Twitter. Always love talking baseball, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S on Twitter. And make sure to download the NBC Sports Edge app. It's just like the old Roto World app, except upgraded. You can get all the push notifications. So when all these prospects that are called up, you want to know when they're called up the second they are, push notifications, send right to your phone. So make sure you download that absolutely free. Uh, so we'll be back tomorrow, five days a week, circling the basis podcast. Make sure to download and subscribe. See you, everybody. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.